if it jumps at us. Then throw the banger. What if I miss? Then we run. What if it kills us? No one is going to ever call you Mayhem if you keep on acting like such a pussy. You are listening to Original Remake. This is a podcast where we discuss and compare original film and its remake. Or sometimes films with similar concepts, because just like Hollywood, we are that unoriginal. So this being a movie podcast, um, yeah, let's get to it. How am I supposed to be a zombie? Oh, um, uh, pretty much just be a lifeless ghoul with no soul, dead eyes, scary. Did you ever have Miss Mullen for English? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like her, but hungry for human flesh. Like she wants to turn somebody into a zombie. Because that's kind of what zombies do. Welcome back to another episode of Original Remake. Uh, this episode is inspired by the recent release of Pacific Rim Uprising, which stars bon, uh, bon, John Boyega. Uh, so we're going to do Attack the Block, which is a uh, 2011 release from uh, the UK, and also J.J. Abrams' uh, Super 8, which came out the following month. So, uh, Mike, how you been? I mean, I'm good. I, I got to watch. I think the last time we recorded, I said, "Hey, let's do something light," and then we watched two alien invasion movies <laughs> where uh, parents are getting killed, friends are getting killed. Um, so we're not quite there yet. Um, well, kids getting killed might be light to some people. I, I, I feel, uh, especially those that don't like them in film. I mean, I, I did develop a distaste for kids saying "bruv." Over and over again, so little, yeah, I kind of liked when did, did you, a couple of those went. Did you think of True Bromance? Uh, every, I did. <laughs> every time they said that, and especially the the uh, whoop whoop sound of the police, you know, their spoiler mm-hmm. alert sound. I know it's a KRS song, but when I heard that and the the uh, constant usage of bruv, I would always think of like Hyra so, on Twitter. That, yeah. That is. I mean, the True Bromance film podcast, I often am wishing for one of the hosts to be killed on air, but <laughs> it never happens, so... I'll, I'll leave it up to them to decide which one I'm I'm rooting for to survive. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, Super 8 came out a month later. So this one's a little bit harder for us to say, hey, they copied this premise because they're pretty much working on their own project at the same time. Uh, I think around that time period, though, J.J. Abrams was not being accused, but was definitely uh, – it was noticed that he was – producing uh i guess an homage to the spielberg movies especially from like the late 70s early mm-hmm. 80s uh so i guess he was wearing his he was hoping to one day be featured on the original remake podcast with something like super 8 he just didn't know it was gonna be attack the block right right and speaking of attack the block uh this one it's uh directed by and written by joe cornish which actually both movies is the same um writer and director of the perspective movie um I I'm surprised that this was actually his like directorial debut because uh, I thought it was done very very well and I I did see that it was also produced by Edgar Wright you know who who I am a fan of and you can kind of see it you know the, uh, clearly they're friends but uh, this one stars uh, like as I mentioned John Boyega in the lead role as Moses uh, he's kind of the leader of this um, you know, I guess we can call him. A little gang. They're not like a real gang, but they're you know a gang of boys. They're hoodlums. Uh, JV gang. Yeah, JV. Okay, sure. Um, and uh, you know they they uh, mug this this young woman who uh, I don't know how long she's been living in their 
in their neighborhood, but she she is mugged by them and at the same time is interrupted by some kind of meteor, uh, you know, enter an alien. And the rest of the movie, they are fending them for their lives in this very much in a similar style as uh, uh, the 20, uh, I think, 2012's Dread, you know, or even uh, Raid Redemption, if anyone's seen that Indonesian martial arts movie. So it takes place almost solely in one, in one locale, um, and they are uh, being invaded by these dog-like, bear-like aliens with uh, glowing teeth. Very, very frightening, if you ask me. I mean, very well cared for teeth. I don't, I don't know what sort of uh, toothpaste they're using, but uh, definitely clearly, uh, clearly whitening teeth. You know, whitening, um, glowing, and, and the floss too. It's very sharp teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have to to uh, to kill all the the bruvs the bruv. out there in the world. <laughs> and uh, and also, I, I just want to throw out um, Jodie Whittaker. She's the new Doctor on Doctor Who. Um, you know, she reminds me of like a like a British uh, Kirsten Dunst a little bit. You know, she's got that look. Is that a good thing? Um, oh, you were just saying looks because I, I didn't at first. I was like, I don't, I don't know if Kirsten Dunst has a, a huge fan base as far as her acting persona now. I, but... I like. I think Jodie Whittaker is a, a little bit prettier. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, and she's Doctor and Who. Doctor Who. Yeah. So she's a so she's yeah. a doctor. She's a nurse in this movie. So she went from a nurse to being a doctor. Good for her. Yeah, a little a little bit more than a doctor with Doctor <laughs> Who, <laughs> than just your average doctor, which is of course that's easy, right? right? It's easy to become that. Um, all right, so Super Eight. Um, I guess it's a very different group of teenagers we're looking at. It's a uh, this time the gang uh, are they're uh, they're younger teenagers, which there are some on Attack the Block, but they you don't have a Moses character in this one. They're all the same age, the peer group. And uh, they spend their time uh, making this movie on uh, Super 8 uh, film stock here. And uh, they are introduced to uh, a girl who comes in their mix to play the, the female lead in their, their film. And that drives, I guess, most of the plot within the group. Because a couple of them develop a crush on young Elle Fanning, who was 12, I believe, when she filmed Super wow. 8. Um. You can see where my head's at because I think I'm kind of leaning into the parts of the film I really liked because um, I'm hiding the fact that, hey, a big alien shows up as well. So as a movie podcaster, I really dug watching these kids try to make their movie, but they get rudely interrupted by this creature from another time and space uh, and Doctor Who is not around to save them. So they have to figure it out themselves. Um, and in the meantime, their parents are of no help. Coach Taylor is... Uh, not too nice as the uh, grieving uh, widower and uh, trying to take care of his son, Joe, here. So um, I guess, you know, first things first, I, I think most people probably have experience with Super 8 before Attack the Block, I, especially if you're in the yeah. States like yeah, us. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, Attack the Block, I, I did get on, and hey, Netflix, I'm still waiting on like our residuals because I, I did see Attack the Block when it came out and I got it on DVD. I don't remember why, because at the time, I didn't know anybody in that movie. But, you know, 2011, I'm sure I was getting three DVDs a week. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 no, I don't. I feel like I saw Super 8 also on home release. I, I didn't go to the theater for that either. So I don't know. I saw both movies. I went to time. the theater to see Super 8, I think probably opening weekend or week. 
Uh, and I remember being one of the few, if not the only one, we went with a big group of people, my friends and like their girlfriends. And I think I was one of two that liked okay. it. Everyone else didn't care for it, uh, at all. And I think they felt like they were strangely tricked into seeing a kid's movie. Uh, maybe, or they didn't, you know, they thought it would be, it would go more into the sci-fi territory and not be as much about like these boys and this one girl and their adventure together. Um, I'd wonder if I'm, well, I would guess attack the block doesn't have the same complaints, even though it's about kids fighting aliens. Uh, it's, it leans a little bit more adult, I guess, in its content, as far as how these kids handle this, this alien invasion with (laughs) chains and bats and super soakers that are full of flammable liquid. Yeah. You know, I, I remember liking super eight. I feel like I was a little underwhelmed. And it's one of those things where I do like how they kind of hide the alien for, um, you know, most of the movie until the very big reveal. And I, I think I always kind of compared it to uh, M. Night's um, signs, you know, like I thought that movie was really creepy until we actually get to see the alien, you know, in broad daylight. And I think it takes a little bit of mystique away from it. Um, so I think that, you know, it's like Super 8's a very enjoyable movie. I, I think... You know, like in comparison, tonally, like the Attack the Block is very high octane, you know, very suspenseful. And you get more dramatics in Super 8. Um, You know, you mentioned the kids filming a movie. That's the the subplot here. So when we're not chasing the alien, which is, you know, very little of the actual movie, they're actually, they're filming, you know, and there's lots of that. Even the, the point where... Uh, was it Joel or Joel, the the main kid, you know, where he's applying makeup to Elle Fanning? Like, that, that, that's a very sweet scene, you know? But in a movie that's supposed to be about a monster or an alien, I I was a little bored, you know, for this review. Mm, so you're the opposite of me, where I was bored when the alien shows up, <laughs> usually. Well, I mean, at the end, I was still, I, I'm still not a fan of that end, you know, when they're underground and, and, and all of that. I, I think, you know, we, we could have used a little bit more but the funny thing about super 8 is um you know i think there's like a a unintentional shade from attack the block where the the character of moses played by john boyega yeah he he thinks that these aliens are basically um they they were released by the uh, the government you know saying that they're out to get basically uh black people and and i had forgotten the military element in Super 8, you know, until uh, uh, original remake alum here, Noah Noah Emmerich, uh, who was in True, uh, Truman Show, he shows up. He's a colonel in the Air Force, and I, I completely forgot that. Super nice yeah. guy. Super nice yeah, guy. Very in this nice. Movie. <laughs> but I, I just, <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot that this alien has been around since like 1958, you know, so there's some um, experimental footage that the kids find. Uh, that goes way back from their science you know, teacher. Yeah, yes. So and so you you get like this Area Fifty One element in here too, which is kind of like okay, you know. So and then it took me back to E. T. a little bit too, and I know that's one of the influences right. uh, uh, for Super Eight. I, I think for the purpose of what we're doing here, I just felt. Oh, what order did you watch this in? Uh, well, I went to I guess opposite of the initial. Uh, really seeing Super 8 theatrically and then catching up with Attack the Block. Um, I actually think I caught up with it uh, through Blockbuster was still around oh, right. um, and had their, they had their competing Netflix service since we're, you know, attempting uh, to get paid yeah, by yeah. Netflix here. 
uh, Netflix vanquished them where you could uh, get movies in the mail and then drop them off at a blockbuster and immediately exchange mm-hmm. them. It was pretty it was. cool for a movie yeah. buff. I mean, wanting to turn it around. Um, on that note, uh, I actually did sign up for a free trial, which I think is ending next week. So I'm going to have to cancel that of the Netflix DVD plan again with the Blu-rays. And I will tell you, Peter, I'm not throwing blame into your line of work, but the turnaround time on these, I don't think even watching them immediately and then putting them back in the mail that day, I don't think I've gotten to two discs a week being able to turn them over. So I'm trying to do the math. I think... It's about the same. It's just going to Redbox. Yeah. But you don't have a subscription plan. So very disappointing. I think those days are truly dead. Also, a lot of the movies you want to check out for like podcasts, if they're like older or more obscure, um, they don't really have them anymore. So it's pretty much just like Redbox. It is like a new release machine and that's it. Uh, but for this time around, uh, I actually own Attack the Block and Super 8 on iTunes. Oh, nice. So. I just decided to go opposite this time. I was like, okay, so Super 8 for my first experience. Let's see if it changes things. So I watched Attack the Block first. Um, and I think it made me like Super 8 a lot more. Huh. Um, now, the first time I watched them, I liked Attack the Block a lot more. And I think it's just because if you're watching these things close together, uh, since they're so, you mentioned they're so different tonally, by the time I get to the end of one, by the time I get to the end of Attack the Block, I was in the mood for something... I guess a little bit more uh, emotional, the father-son thing, because mm. uh, the Attack the Block characters are clearly very jaded, very cynical. I mean, the Moses character is living in a home where he doesn't really have a parental presence. So uh, I think I wanted to go for the more weepy version by the end of that. But I'm sure if I watched Super 8 first, I would be ready for just like the action movie the Attack the Block Interesting. is. Because I did watch it in that uh, same order. You know, I watched um, uh, Attack the Block. Actually, I watched them... Um both the same day, one in the morning and one in the evening, uh, Super 8, uh, last night, actually, um, Attack the Block uh, in, in the morning. And I don't know. I, I think maybe the pacing of Attack the Block, it, it just made me, um, you know, kind of like on, on a sugar high, right? And so by the time I got to Super 8, it kind of kind of mellowed out a little bit. And I was just kind of like, ah, I need some a little bit more excitement. And I think that's kind of what I was missing from Super 8 and um, you know, it's fine. Like I, I just felt it was dragging and it's also like 20 minutes longer than attack the block too. Uh, th- th- that was the other thing. So I was like, that's big for movie podcasters. It is. So I was like, what can they trim <laughs> out? To cram you know, in. Like if they cut out all the, all the filming stuff, you know, uh, but I know that's, Oh no. But, oh no. But I enjoyed that. But I'm just saying like in order to speed things up, that that would be like one of the things they'd have to do. Um, but you know, if, uh, as a standalone movie, I really I, I did enjoy Super Eight. I appreciate the, like the kids filming at such an early age because I didn't get into doing stuff like that until high school. Uh, I did shorts, you know, on my own. Um, my senior project was a, a short uh, a short film based on a story I wrote sophomore year. Um, so I did. It- when does that go up on the original remake? Twitter feed is what people want to know. When is that coming? I I don't think I own any copies of that stuff. It was a little embarrassing, oh, like man, in hindsight, Peter. you know. Uh, but you know, th- see that, that's that's one criticism. Do you think you could have with the Super Eight kids here? Is that maybe too good? I think so. Like because what they produce yeah. is like, you know, if you stick around and watch like through the sort of the mid credits, you actually get to see, I guess, what they were working on, um, kind of in full, and uh, they do attempt to make it look bad but it's still like it still plays like something that would be funny on youtube or like funny or die 
even with them throwing in like mistakes. Like it actually is pretty decent little short film that they made. Like it's funny. It's fun to watch. Uh gosh, this this is gonna make me I mean, uh now I'm just making myself sound worse, but it'd be like the room, you know, I was like the only one serious uh, about my short, and I had a bunch of a bunch of my <laughs> friends who weren't really interested in helping me. But you know, since it was for school, they did. Um, one uh-huh. guy, he would keep like looking in the direction of the camera, like, "Dude, what are you doing? Like, stop looking at the camera. You're like, look at the fucking character you're talking to." So, um, you know, production w- wasn't very good. There was one point where. Um, uh, one of my friends, he couldn't make a shoot, so we had to improvise and had to stand in from behind, uh, you know, and never show his face. So it was kind of a, a bit of a disaster, should I say? And um, you know, I, I don't even remember my, my grade, but you know, I I passed a class, and um, it's it's. Fun. I guess that's all that's that matters. That's all that then. matters, and no. What you were missing was an alien invasion. I mean, that would really amp up the so. the uh, production yeah. value. As one of the kids said, that was right before you were able to plug your, um, you know, your camcorder into like the computer and you know and do some actual editing. So we actually had to do editing with VHS. You know, uh, the two. Oh, no. two... I, I did some of that back <laughs> yeah, in the day. Yeah, you you plug in your uh, your tape player to add music if you wanted to do that. Um, unfortunately, I didn't know how to make it stereo, so music would come out on one side of the speaker, and and then you get the sound effects on the other. Um, a true art house experience. That's how you do it. So, <laughs> so I did like that, but for the purpose of like the whole monster alien theme here, I prefer uh, Attack the Block. Um, I think it was very unsettling to see creatures that are actually your size. I, I felt, you know, it's a little bit unbelievable, obviously, when it's something like extremely huge, and then you got the encounter where Joel tries to like talk to the aliens, like, "Oh, you can live," or I forget the line, but I'm just like kind of rolled my eyes a little bit i'm just like yeah i i need more um you know like life-size aliens uh, i think that's just a lot more scary you know and harder to r- run away from you know uh with a with a gigantic monster you can hide in little crevices and stuff and be safe yeah I, it did make me question how the uh, giant super alien gets around town so easily without leaving like a path of destruction in his wake. I don't know if I necessarily buy the tunnels that he's built where he can just pop mm. up somewhere around the corner. Um, that, that's something though that you brought up. And so do you prefer like an attack the block? That they don't really, I don't think they ever really tried to hide the monster. I mean, it's first reveal where they think that they're looking at its eyes and it's instead, it opens its mouth up and you see that those eyes were actually part of its teeth. Yeah. Um, that was great. And after that, after that, you pretty much see them running through, you know, the block, yeah. attacking them. And it, I mean, they're not extravagant, extravagant creations, but for like a little independent film, they still look pretty cool. They're like just basically like black bears with glowing teeth without a face. Right. Yeah, and I even like the the female um, alien too in the very beginning, the the hairless one. That was uh, yeah, just as scary as well. And you know both movies, you can tell which uh, had had a lot more budget, right? J.J. Abrams looks like he had a budget of fifty million, um, and Attack the Block, since it's a UK movie, uh, is in euros, uh, which is eight million. Uh, if I were to guess, I'd say that's ballpark around you know ten, twelve million U.S. dollar, perhaps. Yeah, right. Yeah, so you you could definitely see where you know who had much more budget, um, but uh, I I do like the characters. 
in Attack the Block a little bit better too. They seemed a little bit more real, you know, because it's again it's very fast paced. So everybody is, um, you know, they're they're all scared. They're always uh, running for their lives. At one point, one I do have one quibble okay. with that though. I feel like there's uh, one thing I have always disliked about Attack the Block is the um, I guess the drug dealer that because mm-hmm. they run into his car fleeing an alien. Uh, I understand the, you know, at first he pulls a gun on him and he's pissed. Uh, but then he turns around and an alien attacks his buddy and he sees this creature like rip his friend's throat out or his bodyguard's throat or whatever. Uh, and then he proceeds to continue throughout the movie to chase Moses and his gang, uh, for his thinking that they brought the aliens like to his place and have like are responsible for this. I found that like I, I didn't understand why. Why do we need one more villain when we're these kids are already being terrorized by aliens? And slight spoiler alert for Attack the Block, you'll find out later. It's because they have the the females. Uh, Moses has like the blood on there, so it's like the scent of the females. Why they're they're terrorizing? So that makes sense. Why they're terrorizing these particular mm-hmm. kids? Did we need uh, an older human being like threatening them, chasing them around with a gun? I didn't think so. I thought that was that was like just made no sense to me. It it didn't, and I I see where you're going with that. But that's the funny thing because I feel that's the one element that J.J. Abrams was missing. You know, when he wants to kind of reference like the E.T. and all that, you're missing like the big bad that's just there for no reason. You know, your Kiefer Sutherland from Stand by Me, your uh, Christian Slater from the movie Wizard, you know, like they're just there um, just to be like another thing to thwart the kids from, you know, their main plot, which is our. I mean, the science teacher pulls a gun on him. Was that not good enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> that was a little weird. He does it to save them. Right. He does them, you know, to scare them to run away. But I like that one of the kids was, you know, pointed out like my science teacher pulled a gun on me. Um, so yeah, I think that would be, that's good enough for me. I feel like the, the stand in there, you're right. There's not a direct threat to the kids. The military, obviously they don't, you know, it's dangerous for them to keep like investigating, but I felt like more of the threat, uh, were the two father figures basically trying to keep our main character, Joe away from, uh, Elf Hanning's character and basically just trying to block a friendship that they're developing. They seem to be the ones that are like sort of getting embroiled in their children's lives and just telling them to just like stay put and, you know, stop doing what they're doing. It's not necessarily a villainous thing, but like what's revealed later, why those, these two men hate each other. Like you understand why they keep like interceding and saying, don't you can't hang out with her. Or you can't hang out with him. Yeah. I, I do like that. I mean, super eight really flushes out the characters and you get a lot of more, you know, world building, um, character developments and stuff. Everything in Attack the Block is so quick, you know, it's all in exposition, especially when, like, you see the group of girls later on. A lot of th- – we, we learn more just from them talking. Um, but, you know, when you, when you have, like, a, I don't know, couple dozen aliens crawling up the side of your walls, there's very little time for all of that, you know, world building. Um I think it, I mean, it comes down to taste, really, I, I guess, uh, in which movie people would uh, would prefer. Um, I mean, I like them both. I, I think for what we're doing, I think Attack the Block has a little bit more upper hand. I'm not sure. Maybe I see myself more in the world of Attack the Block, uh, which, by the way, the um, Super 8 has like one black character, which is the science teacher. <laughs> That's 
pretty much it. Uh, now, to be fair, he is like he's the one, he's the guy that gets it right. Yeah, he's the guy. If they would just listen to him <laughs> or had listened to him, none of this would have yeah, happened like in the first ten minutes. Uh, he does. I, I did. I did consider that, but I also like I was trying to think where it was set, and I didn't really catch uh, where it was. Oh, yes. But I mean, just to give you. Uh, I thought it was like, is it like Ohio or Indiana oh, or oh, the lo- a place location. like that? Uh, let's see if I can find yeah. that out. It was shot in West Virginia. Yeah, it takes place in Ohio. Okay, so just, you know, just to give you a little, like we grew up basically in the same time period. Mm-hmm. And there was not, where I grew up in a small town Kentucky, there was not one uh, black person mm-hmm. in my high school. Really? Uh, and the only the only minority was uh, whoever the foreign exchange student was. It was just all white people. And actually, there was only one black family that lived in my town. That was wow. it. So when I see this stuff, I understand the criticism. But I'm also thinking like, well, it actually looks like and if it was shot in like West Virginia or something, it's like and set in Ohio, depending on which part of Ohio you're in. Yeah, if they shot like Super Eight in my town, you would see nothing but white faces, okay. and that would be in that would be in 2018. <laughs> right, like just <laughs> so some of the stuff I find a little forgiving. Um, I agree with you though. Like when you look at stuff like you know, I think what they like try to do in it, you know, when you have the character of Mike, you know, that's right. also. I mean, that's even that that time period is earlier than what Super Eight is in '79, uh, like the original mm. it. Uh, and you still have a black character, but they acknowledge sort of like what it would mean to be a, like have a black existence in a small rural town, I think. So they could have done that here. Uh, I did read that they did audition like 5,000 kids for these parts. And I don't know. I don't know what their casting process was like if they were looking for, you know, just white faces or they just went with the ones that, you know, had the best chemistry. Right. Cause I did think these, all these kids worked well together. Like on screen, they actually felt like, a genuine friendship mm. like the way they sort of yell at each other and they're like you know give each other shit uh it's not dissimilar from the attack the block uh setting but i had the opposite thought with attack the block was i felt like uh because you do have, you know you have some white characters in there as well uh moses is your main character played by john boyega that's why we're doing this episode but i actually felt like when they had the the white characters in the group i was like are they just are they just like the token white guy in this? Yes. Like, you, you know what? <laughs> it was, and it was one of those things where I was like, this could have been all black cast and it would have been perfectly fine with, with, you know, with me, even, even removing, uh, the doctor who lady, I felt like, and I, I wondered if that was a little bit, uh, on their mind that they had to have some white faces in the cast. Uh, hmm. I think something like black Panther would prove that wrong as far as financially, um, you can you can have an all black poster and it's it's gonna do well. So, um, don't know if you could have done it in Super Eight though. Well, so, Super Eight, I, I get it. Like the they're supposed to be in a very low income, so it's not gonna be like all black. But you know, you got Nick Frost in there, um, very comedic role. I, Attack the block, not oh, Super Eight. Did I say Super Eight? My apologies. <laughs> yeah. Yes, in Attack the Block. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, there's that one, one little kid, and you know, I, I I've seen that. There's, um. There's always like, uh, yeah, the, the token whatever color character, um, mm-hmm. you know, even if it was like Asian or something like that, which we, we do get in Ready Player One uh, that just recently released. Um, but no, I 
I, I, I thought it, it was a good mix. Uh, you, you uh, there was at least one kid that was biracial, you know, so uh, you got that too. Um, yeah, I just you know think low income. It's it's all mixes, you know. So I'm glad that they didn't go with like all black because I think it'd be hard to believe that really just one neighborhood just is is all black people. Like they couldn't find one low income family. Happens in Super Eight. Yep. <laughs> Happens in Montana. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, let's see, what else can we uh, compare it to? Um, you know the. What about the between the two yeah, films? Yeah, between the two films, we kind of talked about uh, mainly the the aliens, really, and, and the group as a whole. I think, I mean, where the uh, you know, you said you had issue with Joe like trying to talk to the alien, basically, which I think has been set up to that point. I don't know why he listens necessarily to the Joe character. Uh, one issue I had with that this time around, and I, I understand it, it fits because he's the one that's grieving his mom's mm-hmm. death, and so it's about him letting go as well. But I didn't necessarily like that uh, Elle Fanning's character is the one that's been abducted by the alien, so she's a damsel in distress. But then as soon as Joe comes and saves her, uh, she's explaining to him, like, you know, since she's he's this alien has touched her like the other character. She has some sort of psychic connection to him. Now she understands his emotions, his pain, what he's thinking. And he's trying to get home. I didn't understand on rewatch why, uh, she was cowering in fear from the alien. And yet Joe has all the confidence, just having this relation, this information relayed to him, uh, why Elle Fanning's character was not the one to say, Hey, I understand what you're going through. Like you can just go home. Like it's okay. Did you understand why, if she has that sight, like, because clearly with the science teacher, when he makes that connection, his outlook on this creature changes entirely, and he's trying to allow it to go home. He sacrifices himself so it can go home. Yeah. Not little Elle Fanning. She quickly, you know, she's she's a fake friend with this alien. Very fake. I wonder if it's, like, because she's a girl, you know, and the the, the story is about a group of boys and a girl. And now that you kind of, like... Uh, talked through that um, the end there. It kind of reminded me of the the new it. Uh, you know the the remake. You know, mm-hmm. where, especially the love triangle sort of exactly. aspect. Exactly, and also the damsel in distress. Um, in it, you you get woken up by a kiss, and this one you get slapped. <laughs> I like the slap better because actually I think the the kiss is a little well, the kiss is a little it creepier. Is, yeah. And at least here in Super Eight, Joe. He stays his hand for a second. He knows. He's like, oh, this is kind of awkward, but I have to wake her up. I mean, I'm sure if he had water, he would have used that. Like, he doesn't seem like a kid that wanted to slap right. her. Um, the In Attack the Block, I guess if you want to make one more comparison, uh, the connection is made between Moses and this woman that they, in the start of the film, they've mugged for her phone and her wallet, her purse. And throughout the film, he says something like, if we had known you were basically from the block, we wouldn't have done it. And she points out, she's like, what difference does that make? So you're saying you just freely attack people that come into your territory. And by the end of the film, I mean, that's how they finished it off. Like, you know, she uh, sees the cops and Moses is saved the day, but he's like (laughs) blown up part of their their apartment building Mm -hmm. to kill all the aliens. He's in handcuffs. He's being blamed kind of being blamed, I guess, for the cop's death, or at least they're, the cops are ready to pin it all on this kid somehow. I don't know how they would make that work, what their narrative would be with all this destruction and sort of alien blood. Because there's surely there are other dead alien bodies somewhere that they've killed like throughout this whole night that weren't just in that one apartment that blew up. But she she says, no, he's a hero. Like, you know, that's you're, you have the wrong person. So she's she's come fully around from 
the beginning of the film where she's trying to get him arrested, rightfully so, mm-hmm. to saying like, no, there's there's also a good side to him. Like he can be a thief, but also can save the day. So my point is, is Moses truly like the alien character in Attack the Block? Is he is he basically the Super Eight alien where you have another character saying like, no, he he's good. Like we should just you know just allow him to to uh, be the good part of himself and stop antagonizing this guy. Yeah, I guess so. Just just let him go, let him go home, right? But uh, I guess at this point, he has no home to go Home's to. Home's a little worse for wear. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the apartment fight club. It's right. just blown His up. His uncle is mostly gone. You know, he's 15 years old, uh, living by himself, basically. Um, yeah, I guess Moses is an alien uh, in this sense, you know. Uh, not, not a lot of uh, dialogue. You know, he's a very man of few words. You know, in, in this movie, um, but I like it. You know, a little self sacrifice uh, at the end there. Did you see like the notice? Like, there's one slow mo where I think either he was running out of a room or into a room. It's, it's when he's wearing like the female alien as a backpack, basically. So he's he's leading them to the uh, his apartment, which has been rigged with gas to to blow it up. Yeah, yeah. there's a point where there's a slow mo and he leaps through like a door frame and like the alien head just like hits the top of the frame. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. I, th- I thought I was like, wow, you're really trying to piss him off now. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's yeah. something that they didn't catch the, the first time, but I saw that like, wow, they, they really left that in. Uh, I just, I actually like with that, like having a mistake on there and like JJ Abrams and super eight with most of his work. It feels like super manufactured. Like, you know, he, he's made fun of the internet for the lens flares. Right. Like, cause it gives it a more realistic look, but he puts them in every movie. And so now, like, now that it's a thing, it's like, okay, dude, you, you can stop that because now, now it's just distracting. It doesn't add to like the ambiance of the world. Uh, it's just like, oh, there's JJ Abrams. He loves lens flayer skin. I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing until, uh, Force Awakens was in production. And then they released the very first, um, image of like, I, I think like the cast was doing like a reading. Or whatever, and somebody mm-hmm. was like, "Here, let me fix this," and they added like lens fl- lens flares to it. <laughs> That's when I realized it was a yeah. thing. Um, I have to say that I, I I like both of these movies quite a bit. I mean, it's a little bit. It, I don't want to say it's a reach mm-hmm. because they they are very similar as far as a group of young people uh, into their small little part of the world. Suddenly, there's an alien, and in Tax Block, there's multiple aliens. Um, but it's kind of like for doing these podcasts, it's probably the best way, or at least for us, to have to watch two things back to back because they're different enough. They share that premise, but they feel like really different movies. Mm-hmm. Like they feel like they serve different audiences. Um, so this is one of those episodes where I enjoyed seeing them so close together without feeling like, yep, just watching the same thing again, <laughs> just slogging through it. Because uh, I, I like both of these movies. Obviously, I, I purchased them on iTunes and didn't have to go with that terrible DVD Netflix system since, you know, you only get one movie a week and they don't pay for advertising no, here. They, they if they don't. did, I would left that tidbit out. I would not have mentioned Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you on what you just said. Like, both of these movies I can see paired up in, like, Walmart, you know, trying to sell both movies for, like, yeah. fourteen eighty eight, whatever weird pricing Walmart does. Um, I'd watch both movies again. I, I don't think I say that uh, very often on this uh, show where we have a pairing. Where usually I'll be picking one or the other, and I may even say one of the movies I may not revisit, but I'd, I would revisit mm-hmm. both of these. 
Um, but if I want more fun, I'm definitely going with a tactile block. I think that's just more fun. It's shorter. It's straight to the point. It's a lot more abbreviated uh, with the um, uh, Super 8. You know, if you want more of a story, you want more of the, the kids, the world building, um, go with Super 8. You know, I, I don't think it's as much fun as, uh, as a tactile block, but it's still a very enjoyable movie. I go for I go for Super Eight uh, personally, um, and as I said, that may have to do with how I watch them this time, uh, because I think when I you know back in two thousand eleven, I think I preferred Attack the Block. So uh, we probably won't. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to run out of movies to do on this show mm. to where we're doing original remakes where the remakes are our old episodes where we come back and do the <laughs> exact same pairing. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I'll just have to, you know, when I do revisit, I'll tweet it out on the original remake account or something years from now and be like, oh, I've switched again. But as of today, uh, Super 8 worked a lot more for me just because I forgot how much fun I had with those kids making that movie. That's and the movie I want is is kids making the movies. movies. <laughs> it's funny. I was watching it this morning uh, with my wife, and uh, we she we were dating when I rented uh, Attack the Block from Blockbuster, which was a better service than Netflix, by the way. And uh, she didn't like Attack the Block. Uh, she didn't like the lingo. She really didn't like the bruv stuff, and she's like, this is just annoying. And I do understand that because I feel like Attack the Block, if you watch it 20 years from now, maybe that's a really awkward time capsule of like the slang of the time, and people will think it's kind of ridiculous. It's interesting in comparison to Super 8 because they're making it in 2011, but it's under that that uh, sheen of nostalgia where it's like clearly this is 1979. And I think people were more accepting then where it's like, oh, it's purposely, you know, look at the funny cameras. That kid says mint a lot. Was that a thing? You know, I don't know because I wasn't, I wasn't around. I wasn't alive then. But hearing bruv uh, that many times. I don't know. Maybe I've answered my own question. Maybe it's always going to be Super 8 for me. I really, really hate the slang and Attack the Block. It's really obnoxious. And, and that, that's the thing, too. you got to remember, it is from the U.K., so um, there's going to be a lot more different slangs and just you know different vocab. It, bruv, it, it took me a while to get used to. I, I must admit, um, and I'm you know thank God for subtitles. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, you just got to remember you're watching a foreign film. So, yeah, you know, the language is going to be a little bit different. But that is that is one one of the things I like about Super 8, it being in 1979, just like other, you know, maybe movies, uh, period movies, is going to seem timeless. It's, it's never going to be like, oh, that movie is so 2011. Like, no, it, right, it's, just, right. it's just Super 8, and that's just what it is. Uh, Mint, I feel I feel like that was something mentioned, um, a, a slang Possibly, see, it's it's a different time zone or time um, timeline. But I was gonna say, I feel like maybe mint was a, a word, a slang used also in uh, "Stand by Me," but "Stay Mint." I don't know. Maybe outsiders, perhaps. I mean, that's even "Stay Golden." Say, yeah, that's Pony yeah, Boy. That's more "Stay Golden." <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a, you know what? That's a good lead-in. We should wrap up with doing a remake of this. Okay. So if you were gonna if you were gonna remake this premise of teenagers or kids being terrorized by an alien uh, creature, um, would you would you go back like that far? Would you go back into something like you know the classic sci-fi stories of like the fifties? Yes. Uh, you yes. would, okay. Yes, um, just because like back then you know the technology was so different. I, I think we often look at you know the uh, man on the moon. You know what, why were we able to do it then and not now? Why couldn't we? Uh, you know, re, uh, what's the word? 
uh, or why, why couldn't we duplicate that? And um, I just think going back to a simpler time where things was a lot more different, where news wasn't easily accessible, I, I think you can build, you know, like a certain mystique to it. Um, and I think it'd be a lot more fun. When I see sci-fi movies and they have like all these, you know, advanced technology, it, it's a little unbelievable to me because I'm not exposed to stuff like that. So it's just like it's like watching something that's taking place in in, in the near future. I like to go back where we don't have any of that stuff, and um, you know, things are were very very basic. It's funny that I mentioned Outsiders because um, now I'm kind of doing this on the fly, but as a kid. Uh, I've always wanted to remake Outsiders myself. You know, I I felt like if was that your short film? In it, high it, it wasn't, but uh, were you Pony Boy? You know what? I I wanted to make it when I was on active duty back in 2003, when I had a lot of time. You know, shortly after uh, W, you know, or W was like, hey, we go in Iraq. You know, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but uh, March 19th, 2003, I was sitting around Fort Lewis, Washington, and. You know, for the longest time, ever since uh, I had read The Outsiders, I always thought that, you know, it'd be a good remake, but in a military setting. You know, you got your greasers and your socias. Well, why can't you have the active duty component versus the quote unquote weekend warriors? Because there's always that little little bit of like, you guys aren't, you know, real soldiers because you guys are part time. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, soldiers mm-hmm. a soldier. You know, we 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 do the same thing you guys do. But, yeah, we have a life at home as well. You know, we chose to be part time, but whatever. I thought that'd be a good dynamic, you know, keeping it military, but different components of it. And, hey, throw in a, um alien invasion, Area 51 or something like that. Have this take place in the 50s. I think that might be kind of cool. That's a really cool movie yeah, idea. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I want royalties if somebody steals this idea. Because <laughs> the reason I thought, like, a military setting would be interesting is, is think about the the Curtis brothers. All their names can be nicknames you give somebody in the military. Pony right. Boy, Soda Pop, Dally, you know, for Dallas. Oh, maybe he comes from Dallas, and we call him Dally. You know, so, yeah, two-bit Matthews. You know, I, I mean... Uh, I, I just like, oh, these can be soldiers. And so that's an idea I had. And, you know, um, I don't think I had nearly uh, enough soldier friends that uh, had some downtime that we can actually uh, make this. But I even um, try to convince my brother, you know, I would pay him for this, that uh, I told him, I want you to watch The Outsiders with subtitles on and just write down the dialogue for me. Because this is before the internet where I can probably get the mm-hmm. script. And so I, I even... St- tried doing that uh but that that would be my my remake is something that i have a hand in uh outsiders uh with an alien invasion i can't top that (laughs) so i'm gonna say my remake for the first time i'm gonna say it's something that already exists so i'm just gonna give a recommendation how about that for this type of material and it's my favorite uh superman story um it doesn't have superman in it it's not affiliated with superman but he's referenced and is the 1990 Nine film from Brad Bird, The Iron Giant, uh-huh. which also kind of ties in because he's a, a big character in Ready Player That's One, right. which just came out this weekend. But uh, that movie is about a robot who falls from space and is about the uh, competing sort of government, the factions that want to turn him into a military weapon to use during the Cold War. Uh, and much like Super 8 is about this Iron Giant discovering he doesn't want to be a weapon. So... Uh, if you've seen Ready Player One, you may <laughs> find that like, really? That's what is, cause, uh, he's a pretty big badass weapon in that movie. 
but it is uh, probably my favorite animated film of all time. And as I said, it's my favorite Superman story. So if you love Superman and you like these type of stories, uh, I also find it much better than Super 8. I think that goes uh, without being said. So Iron Giant is uh, the best possible remake of Super 8 that came out 12 years before. Yeah, you. How about that? Yeah, you, you've mentioned Iron Giant before previously in an episode, and so uh, anytime I do see Iron Giant, I do think of you. Um, good. And good. you know, uh, t- to be fair, like I've had this idea like twenty plus years, you know, and you've had like twenty seconds to think of a story. So, uh, but, but I do, I do like the Iron Giant idea. You know, make let's make a real life version. We saw that Ready Player One can make it look pretty real, uh, though it took place in a game. I thought it was still pretty realistic looking. Um, I like to see that. I like to see that as a movie. Mm-hmm. You know what you could see? What's that? The actual Iron Giant that already exists, Peter. You could you could pull that up and watch it. Oh, oh, the actual movie. Yes. Kills me. Kills me that you've not seen that yet. Like, I, I'm, what I'm going to do every, even if it makes no sense. Like when we do our next like rom com pairing, I'm just going to be like, you know, what was really good. The Iron Giant it has nothing to do with this, <laughs> but Peter, you got to watch it. Or or we'll just do like a, a Superman movie with Iron Giant just because. Oh, that would be good. That'd be great. Or, uh, yeah. Shaq's, Shaq's Steel and Iron Giant. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're making me suffer there because... <laughs> I've never seen Steel. I don't think that one would be good. I don't think it would be good. I, I've seen Kazam, and that's I always say that's my worst movie-going experience of my life. And I was 12 when it came out, 11, 12, and... I was begging my dad for us to leave, and I think he got more enjoyment out of watching me suffer because he didn't want he didn't even want to see Kazam. He didn't want to see Shaq as a genie, but he was howling with laughter at how much pain I was in that I had made a great mistake saying, "Hey, let's go see this Kazam movie," and it was this, terrible. This, this makes a lot of sense now. Your hatred for kids on film, and I, I see it. I see, I see where the steps run. Um, but uh, even as a kid, I know I watched a lot of like kid movies and you know movies that aren't very great uh critically received or anything like that even as a 12 year old kid i i knew anything with Shaq couldn't be good so um i think kazam i only saw like if it was on tv i'm just like oh this is that that movie i didn't care to rent or even watch in theater (laughs) and also steal like oh Shaq in another movie no 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 thank you um, I, you know, like Space Jam is fine. I don't love it as, as much as a lot of people, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan can't act. Like, I know that as a kid. No. It, Charles Barkley was one of the worst things of that movie. He, like, all, all of them were pretty The thing bad. with those guys is I think they knew they couldn't act. Shaq thinks he can't act. <laughs> okay. That's the problem. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Sean Bradley, you know, that goofy looking guy. Uh, oh, good Lord. <laughs> talk about a time capsule. My goodness. People probably don't know what we're talking about. Uh, like Sean um, who? <laughs> yeah. If you want, uh, if you want more little uh, nuggets like that, there's a great podcast that will take you back in time. Mm-hmm. That some jerk hosts, I don't know, you always talk about all the time. Uh, Podstalgic, yes, yes, a great, great show. Uh, we, we've mentioned the the recent release of Ready Player One a couple times. I did do that with my son, uh, Instant Take. So we thought it'd be uh, pretty cool, you know, since Ready Player One is all about nostalgia, eighties uh, and nineties. Um, I took my son and we did an instant review to give, you know, the two different generations uh, perspective. And, you know, we both loved it. You know, I I don't know who loved it more, but I was surprised to hear how much he enjoyed the movie as well, even though he didn't get some of those references. You know, I'm sitting there, um, you know, I'm familiar with most of the songs that were played and uh, a lot of the, the references I caught. He might know a little bit more of the modern games, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, right. we both enjoyed that and that's available on Podstalgic. 
Um, that uh, shining sequence is fantastic. It was great. Fantastic. I loved yeah. it. Loved every bit that, of it. That was, that was pretty amazing. I, I wish they could have, you know, maybe done another level, you know, where it was Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because been, yeah, another movie would have been great. Yeah. yeah. Just. But you get the car. You get the you car. Get the though. Car, you get the Zemeckis you get the, cube. Uh, and... Zemeckis cube. You got the uh, Mayor Goldie Wilson poster in the background. You got Doc Brown walking in the foreground as well. Um, a lot, a lot of references. Uh, and also, you know, for those that uh, maybe listen to this show and Paul Stalgic, maybe something else I do. I just recently started a brand new uh, group page called Paul Stalgic and Friends. I got a hater in there. I got a hater in there. He's not. A, he's not a fan of original <laughs> remake. Uh, I posted a thread for I, this very episode, and he he said he hates those guys. Um, I might I might have to kick him out. <laughs> that uh, I have to admit, I'll, I'll pull back the mask. That was me. Oh, that was you. Uh, and since since uh, my uh, Facebook name is not my real name, because I and I guess thankfully so, based on you know what's been going on with Facebook and all the information they sell to everyone and or leak out. Uh, I wondered when I did that. I'm like, there might be people in here that's like, Peter, who the hell is this asshole? And it's like, oh, that's my co-host Mike yeah. on original remake who hates himself apparently. Well, uh, but no, that's cool. I was glad you did that. I thought that was that was that's a lot of fun. So I'll I'll look forward to being the the hater of myself yeah. in that in that group page. Um, I have a um, I want to pimp out a show that I've talked with you about. I want you to come on as a guest that uh, is not exactly like. Podstalgic, uh, called Sober Cinema, huh. and oh right, uh, we uh, you did mention uh, that before. We uh, we we don't. I mean, we look at anniversaries of two movies in particular, but the idea is uh, one of the movies was either critically well received or was a box office hit, and then the other one is relatively forgotten. And so, kind of the premise of it is we we debate if that's the correct outcome. Like, does this sort of more unknown movie deserve? to get the attention that the other one did, or did we get it right the first time around as a, as a pop culture, I guess. Mm. Um, and our latest episode is on, uh, the outsiders and a movie starring Sean Penn called bad boys that came out the same day. And they're very similar as far as looking at like juvenile delinquency. So that was a lot of fun to do. And this will probably pain Peter. I had never seen the outsiders before or bad boys. So both of those were first time watches for me. Wow. Now, so I had which which version of the Outsiders did you watch? Because you know there's one that's called the complete I watched novel. The f- I think I watched the complete novel because as I was watching it, I was like, "Wow, this is a lot longer than what IMDb said it was." Right. Now I realized the version I was watching, but I now I can't imagine it being that much shorter. It was like wasn't it like twenty or thirty minutes added onto it? And I think it, so uh, because a lot of the scenes they originally cut was Rob Lowe, you know, soda pop, mm-hmm. uh, and I think there were some scenes with him and Pony Boy. That people thought were a little, you know, a little um, homoerotic. Homoerotic, yeah, yeah just yeah. a little bit. But I was like, well, they're brothers, and you know, I felt like just being protective yeah. of one another is what I. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I end up uh, accidentally just watching it because that's just what uh, I downloaded, and I guess that's good. I guess that they they didn't even say, hey, this is like a special version. Right. Um, I'm, but I'm guessing that's what Francis Ford Coppola wants out there in the world the, now. The so. music is also different too. I, I feel they might have used a little bit more Elvis uh, in, in the complete novel. I, I haven't seen it um, since that version released on DVD, and I do own it. Um, and funny enough, that was supposed to be an episode I did. Uh, that was on the schedule, but it was just one of those things, you know, scheduling conflicts, and so I had to bump that up. So it will eventually See, come. I've, I've come yeah. in. 
I've been like, oh, Podstalgic couldn't provide. Well, Sober Cinema can. Yeah. We have the Outsiders episode, but, but soon so. come. You know, it, it'll, it'll come eventually. <laughs> I have to keep reshuffling, and that's that's the thing with like trying to release things on like certain anniversaries because you just never know. Um, it, it may not line up correctly, and you just have to put it out later later than you'd expect. It's basically like trying to uh, stay on top of the new releases, is what I've discovered. Because yeah. I was like, oh, let's do a retro movie podcast. Oh crap! You have to be just as on top of it as you would for a new release. So yep, yep. Uh, it's been. I feel your pain, Podstalgic. Yes. Uh, I will not be a hater of Podstalgic. Just original remake right. on your group. Fair page. enough. Yeah. When I pulled up that post for you know the original remake, I was like, who the hell hated this post? And then I thought it was you. I'm like, what a troll. <laughs> Good Lord. If you would like to uh, troll us, um, you can find me, I guess, at Sober Cinema. I'll just keep pimping that one um, because like Original Remake, at Original Remake on Twitter and Instagram, usually it's my co-host answering. So since I don't answer the tweets on Sober Cinema, they'll be like, who the hell is this guy talking all this shit? I wasn't on Original Remake. What are they talking about? <laughs> so that'll be fun. So yeah, at Sober Cinema for me. And what about yourself, Peter? Uh, for me, at Instagram and Twitter, at Podstalgic, or again, the uh, the group page, Podstalgic and Friends, if you want to come in. You know, I'm not going to just um, invite people, I think, who want to be in there. I'm just going to throw it out. If you want to join, I, uh, I'd love to have you guys. And I'm just going to post episodes I do on any podcast, uh, guest spots I make, Um and also, like, if, uh, you know, when we're planning to do, like, a certain movie, I'll, I'll throw a post up if anybody wants to throw, you know, a little feedback or just say anything. That way we can have something to kind of work off of, you know. And that's that's really the idea of this group page that I started. I just want to be able to interact with the listeners uh, that, you know, maybe uh, spend more time on, on Facebook than, than Twitter. You know what Peter's saying is that he's tired of just talking to me and he's ready to see other hey, people. That's not true at all. Actually, I was very happy to see that that you uh, asked to join. You know, so that uh, that that made me uh, yeah, really man. happy. You got to have your first troll in there, and I wanted to take that crown. All right, fair enough. There you go. I'm you not got even it. Lying. If we was making it up, don't you think we'd make up something a bit better than aliens? See that word one more time. I told you, bud. On the roof, if you don't believe me. What? What's on the roof? One of them. Say it. One of them big gorilla wolf motherfuckers. 